0: I always start there because it's more profitable, efficient and quicker. And then once I got that foundation, the executive team is bought into digital. There's real budget. We're ready to go. We we think this is how we're going to go to market with this product or service. Then you spend more on demand creation for your culture, for your values, for how you see the world. Welcome to Unmiss, your go to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky. Here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game.
1: Let's get started. Hello good people. Welcome to our show. Hello bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, welcome. Today we are going to discuss about customer generation. How you can use right approaches how you can get results it's tough today because almost all marketing channels are overwhelmed but you can find the right approaches and today we are going to learn more about that. We've got market how are you?
0: Excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Anatoly.
1: Yeah, big pleasure. I remember our episode in 2022. Many things yep. changed since then, you know. So it took like almost two years to get you back on my show because I, it's important for me to update what I have to learn something new. I acquired new listeners, loyal audience who want to learn as well. So we need to bring this value. Uh, Garrett, I like your experience. I love it. You spoke on Search Engine Journal. You share this valuable insights. But uh, for new listeners, remind more about you, about yourself, about LinkedIn experience and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you.
0: Yeah, no, thanks. I um, So I bootstrapped a directive over 10 years ago uh, with my best friend and business partner. And we grew it, I think, to be a market leader in B2B SaaS for professional services. Um, pretty successful um shop there and more importantly i think we're pretty consistent and successful at helping our clients accomplish their objectives that they haven't maybe been able to accomplish with other agencies or other leaders so um i do that and then on the other side and um kind of after hours i coach agency founders and i have a course um that helps uh agency executives uh grow their shops and that's at garrettmiragoot.com And then I help B2B software companies uh, at directiveconsulting.com. Nice.
1: Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I want to start from how you can help your customers better than many other competitors, probably a million agencies, freelancers, consultants who can help as well. But uh, you mentioned that you can help better. So tell about your strong side and how you can lead them in the right direction. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's twofold, right? I mean, at the agency, like overall level, um, culture, visibility, infrastructure is very important when agencies get larger. You know, Um, know, once you get over 150 employees full-time at your agency, quality control, visibility into what's occurring on clients, tracking how often you accomplish client goals, I think is critically important, but it's something that the marketplace doesn't always pay attention to. Um, so I think the hard part for clients is you either have kind of small shops that are great, but don't have all the capabilities and maybe all the experience and you have big shops that if you're not their biggest client, you might just not get good talent. And so I think directive does a very good job with its quality control at the talent level, as well as its visibility out to what's going on with clients so that we can proactively address opportunities that do come up, uh, every day, you know, where, Something could be better or different. So I'd say that's one side of that coin. But when you get to the practical methodology, because um, it's big, like agencies, a lot performances of performance is like 90% culture, 10% methodology and approach of like, you know, does the leader or owner of the agency, are they working 10 plus hours a day? Are they in it, like in it, or are they doing a like vacation lifestyle? Right. I think that part's like 90% of if the agency is good or not. The 10% is like their methodology and point of view. And ours, um, and what we try to do different is we try to only advertise using manually verified data to named accounts. And so a lot of people are doing ABM, but the problem with the ABM is that the way the algorithms work is that the distribution of your value proposition to small numbers of accounts is in direct conflict with how the advertising platforms operate. And so what we kind of pioneered was more total addressable market based advertising. So instead of going after just a few companies, we figured out how to go after your entire market segment to get the scale that the ad platforms want for distribution, but also manually verify that entire total addressable market, whether it's 5,000 accounts or 50,000 accounts so that you feel exceptionally confident that every penny you invest of your capital into your advertising and marketing is only going to customers that your sales organization or prospects, that your sales organization said, we want these people. And by creating that unification between sales and marketing and being thorough in your data, that's how we're able to go to market. I would say better than, um, you know, other organizations.
1: Uh, can you tell more about uh, collecting data, you know, uh, for example, uh, Once I spoke with a customer who lost uh, 500k on LinkedIn paid ads, a lot of money, and he got zero leads, nothing. Uh, And um, uh, I can't say that the product was terrible, no, that was good product because other marketing channels work, Uh, he has uh, uh, great recognition, but LinkedIn ads uh, didn't work for him. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not uh, an expert on LinkedIn ads. I can't say w- what was wrong, but anyway, uh, can you tell how to minimize such risk? Because if uh, the product is good, uh, company has recognition, but uh, something doesn't work, how to minimize the risk or how to find another way?
0: Yeah, no, great question. Um, no, like, so I'll talk a little bit personal experience and such like. Or brag or anything, but I probably spent a couple million bucks the last few years on it. I probably made over 18 million in bookings off mm-hmm. of LinkedIn um, for myself personally for Directive. Um, first off, is you got to bring your own data to the party. So, like when we work with a new client engagement, we look at their current clients. Mm-hmm. Who do you currently have that pays you? And who pays you the most? Who has the longest retention, the most profit? Who are your best customers? And then we enrich those in Zoom Info. Um, Zoom Info is great. They were previous client of ours for a long time, um, but I still think they're probably the market leader when it comes to data quality. You know, they're a little, sometimes expensive, some, some of the smaller ones, but usually they're the best, right? And so enrich the data from their current customers. And we start to see, okay, when one of your clients has more than 500 employees and is using these three technologies, the average order value jumps up exponentially. Mm -hmm. We're gonna focus on that as our criteria to build out your total adjustable market or we'll tear it out and say, you know, mid-market enterprise is this, SMB is that, right? And tear it out. Then we'll go find every other company that shares the same firmographic, technographic, or demographic criteria as your current best customers. And then we get that data set we export it and we manually verify it with the third party um, team. It's like $15 an hour to our clients. And we make sure every one of those is right. We feel good about it. Then we upload that to LinkedIn. So that's the first step. Because if you use LinkedIn's level targeting, it's all industry level targeting. And the problem with industry level targeting is it's user generated. So a lot of people don't LinkedIn page right now the category you're in is probably incorrect. And a lot of you don't realize it. And that's fine. It doesn't really affect your life at all. But from an advertising perspective, I think I'm advertising to this, but I'm actually advertising to that. So that's first step of not wasting money. Second is you gotta get rid of informational intent advertising. And what I mean by that is, this is the playbook everybody runs. They go to industry, they choose the one they think that LinkedIn tells them, they choose the titles they like, and then they give them an ebook or a guide or a white paper or some type of content. And then they send the lead to their SDR team and it doesn't work. That's what they do. 99.9% of the time. What we do is the first party data, get it right, upload that only advertise to our data, and then we use some type of incentive or offer to drive to the demo, to drive to the proposal. And so we're actually using calendar scheduling links in LinkedIn directly, natively, and we're using a gift card or some type of, maybe a hoodie for like the dev stuff. Like every industry is a little different, publicly traded. Maybe they can't do gifts. So we'll come with, we need a strong offer. And if we go like commercial offer plus good data on LinkedIn, and then scale that to Facebook and Instagram with tools like metadata, or even programmatic on Trade Desk or um, D V 360 through Google, um, you know, you're going to be really successful and it genuinely works every time. It's just getting the data right and getting the offer right. And if you get those two things right, it works.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, OK, we collect the data and you mentioned uh, it's better to have your own data. But what about newcomers uh, who have no data but have great products uh, can you tell what they need to do without having this data? Probably they can buy or any other tips about that.
0: Yeah, we buy the data. It's a Zoom info, one, same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can make some, I think, logical deductions on our experience. I think I've got about 125 plus bin market enterprise B2B software clients and across 80 industries, usually with multiple mm-hmm. clients in each industry a lot of times. So, you know, I think if you hire the right agency who's large enough in a certain field and has enough experience, they can help you also say like, Hey, I know we don't, maybe we're pre-customers, we're pre-go-to-market, but here's what we've seen works when working with this player for the last three years. We can't tell you exactly what they do. We're not going to share their private information, but you shouldn't probably start with this segment of the market. We've seen it to be more impactful or more profitable or whatever. So I think that's one benefit of hiring an agency that has deep expertise in a specific vertical, like we just do B2B SaaS, right? So there's a lot of e-commerce shops. Like I can't compete with an e-commerce shop. They're just so much better at that. And I don't know how to do that, right? So if you find an agency that has deep specialization in your kind of industry vertical, I think that can help. And then you just got to make some guesses. And it's all, you know, you got to have maybe three different audiences. You know, we're going to go 50 to 150 employees. We're going to go 150 to 500 employees. We're going to go 500 employee plus, and we're going to see how each of those segments responds to our campaigns. And then once we find what works best, we'll turn the others off or decrease capital expenditure towards those and then invest more here. So I think there's just ways to create, like a lot of us as marketers now, we don't create hypotheses. Do you know what I mean? Like we don't state, I am doing this to see if this occurs. If it does, we will do the following. So there's not a lot of conditional logic and like infrastructure and how people go to market as to what they're trying to figure out. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, of course it makes sense. But anyway, we need to test. Testing <laughs> is part of the process. <laughs> yeah, see, I mean,
0: but you gotta you gotta write down what you're testing. I know it sounds so stupid and basic, but like nobody does it. They just kind of test things, but they mm-hmm. don't take time structuring the test.
1: Mm -hmm. what are
0: we testing and why and what do we hope to learn and if we learn it what does it change yeah people don't always do that i think if we slow down and structure our tests better and just take a couple days to just pause and like structure it before we launch and then have a debrief period post launch you'd be amazed at how much better you'll get at marketing
1: yeah nice nice um i found that it's better to cooperate with customers who understand what you do. Uh, Basically, let's take any example. Let's imagine someone wants to lose weight. Uh, You can hire the best coach, mentor, I don't know, anyone uh, who who knows how to help to lose weight. But if you don't understand why you need to eat healthy food, to train hard, to drink water, nobody can help you. It's the same with uh, digital marketing uh customer generation uh it's better to understand the basic Uh, and i want to ask you for example if you have a new customer and you see that customer don't understand but wanna rely to you everything please do whatever you can to get results uh can you tell how to start learning from scratch i mean like to get the basic before hiring or finding great experts who can lead in the right direction
0: yeah i mean that's a hard problem. I mean, for, I think, you know, so because I bootstrapped it, I started on Fiverr selling $5 social media accounts.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and then I was helping like the pool guy, the shawarma shop, the hookah shop, the plumber, you know, for $200 a month. That's how I started, you know? So I never took payment pain from nobody. We just hustle, try to do good work, charge a little more if you get better results, right? Next mm-hmm. thing you know, you get the clients you dream of. It takes a long time. Mm-hmm. You got to work hard, right? So of course. you got to be good. You can't stink. Um, Well, we finally now at Directive have what we call a startup offering that's built for what you're talking about. So it's only $5,000 a month. It's month to month. It's a lot cheaper than our normal services, but it has it all scoped out and it's tight scope so they can't change it. So what happens a lot is people are their own worst enemy when they're immature at performance marketing and digital. And what I mean by that is they have like a $10,000 budget. And they want to be on YouTube, Twitter, Google search, Captera, G2 crowd, and LinkedIn. So they spend $5 on each and then they're like, ah, it's not working, right? And so what we help them do is say, look, we're only going to do this channel and within this channel, this specific ad unit. We're going to start there. Once Mm -hmm. it works, we'll grow budget, but we're not going to spread ourselves thin. So I'd say for people who are just trying to start, I'd look at the following ad units that I think are very good and that I would do. So you come to me and you're a new B2B software company and you're like, we want to grow. we got a great product, great customers, but we've never really done digital. We all just kind of grew naturally. Right. What I would tell you is first and foremost, get, get on the review sites, Mm -hmm. review sites, create a healthy foundation from which your audience derives their confidence for purchasing your product. So, Not only, so like we have about um, $300 million in B2B SaaS spend under management,
1: okay?
0: And I have it all like a data team and I get to look at everything and kind of see what works best. What works best right now is third-party review sites. When I say work best, it means it has the highest lifetime value to customer acquisition cost ratio based off the clients who have given me access to their Salesforce or HubSpot pipeline level data, customer data. It's anonymized, but I can see, you know, customer three spent 400000 and came from this channel, right? And so with that, I found review sites work the best, not only for acquisition, but I think they work the best from a foundational psychology of marketing, right? So the way I describe it is forever SEO, which I know you're deeply familiar with, was about ranking a website. And what I try to explain is that now SEO is about ranking a brand and that's an important delineation and what i mean by ranking a brand is that when someone searches for the product or services you sell on google are you discoverable and when there's commercial intent so what they do nowadays is they don't search seo tools i saw how you optimize your own stuff they'll search best small seo tools well when you search let's say best small seo tools it creates a commercial intent query which then does oftentimes pull up review sites as well as individual websites so the question isn't can i rank my website it's is my brand discoverable in every available opportunity because what happens if customers are looking on g2 crowd for erp software and you're not there they look on captera and you're not there they look on GetApp or gartner peer insights or forbes advisor even now and you're not there you don't matter does that kind of make sense like you you're not You have no social proof. Of course. So first step is get there. Always to me is first step, create the ability to monetize your marketing when people do research. If I'm looking up on Yelp, best breakfast burrito before I spend seven bucks. Yeah. People are sure as hell looking up best software before they spend 70,000.
1: Yeah. You got to get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. So I want to make sure I'm good there. Step one. And then step two, I got to balance my capital with demand capture and demand creation. And that's what customer generation is all about. It's like, how do you generate a customer? Well, there's two types. There's ones that are in market and know what they want. And there's others who have a job description and a pain point and an outcome they're trying to accomplish, but they don't know what they want or that they even need what you offer, especially to your point with B2B software startups. They're usually highly innovative and have a different way of doing things. So the old playbook doesn't work for them because if you're doing something innovative, then no one knows to search for what you do. In other words, Google Ads doesn't work for a lot of startups because nobody knows to search for what they're selling. Same with SEO. So the key for a lot of these people is having very compelling messaging, video content and value propositions so that you can create demand for your innovative solution, right? And so we'll put the budget there on some companies other companies look it's a fully mature marketplace and we need to put the money to demand capture and so it's very unique to each but i always start with review sites and then i think about do i want to do i need to create demand or can i capture it and if i can capture demand i always start there because it's more profitable efficient and quicker and then once i got that foundation the executive team is bought into digital there's real budget we're ready to go we we think this is how we're going to go to market with this product or service then you spend more on demand creation for your culture for your values for how you see the world if that makes sense
1: yeah of course it makes sense yeah love it love it valuable uh, 95% of customers read reviews before buying products and we use pr we use pr and we need to in that's important yeah. yeah. only
0: 95% yeah. review look at reviews 95% are not currently in market
1: yeah, yeah, and uh, for creating requests, we use PR. And uh, for example, when I started my first PR, I think like I wrote a bunch of press releases, I pitched all of them, I got zero links, zero mentions, nothing. <laughs> so, but uh, I started to learn and I paid six thousand dollars for one press release. Uh, and but we needed to write. 12 press releases a week. It's like $78,000. And what we did, I started to learn, (laughs) I can't pay a lot of money all the time. So I started to learn and uh, all my first attempts were terrible. Nothing. But I learned how it works. (laughs) And uh, we had X experts who can write for Forbes, Investopedia, big websites because we help on this niche. And uh, today we got mentions on CNN, Bloomberg, Business Insider, uh, Investing.com because of failure to learn, (laughs) to acquire experience, to uh, craft great press releases. And even these press releases, this PR is much better than PR agency can propose because they usually hire journalists Uh, without having experience in specific niche so but we cooperate with people who have this experience who can post great content on Forbes uh, and bring this value to journalists so I I think if if you need to create this demand you need to use PR or social media or I don't know uh, because if you can bring the message in another content i mean like uh, content marketing and add how your products can decide solve some problems yeah it works as well organic reach yeah so, many things to do with that Garrett, i, I want to ask about ai when we had our first podcast uh ai was not the thing that we have today i used ai but not like today. And we grew our results. uh, For example, for one project in SEO, very competitive niche, uh, a billion dollar companies in the top 10. We grew from zero to uh, plus 2,000 people a day Uh, uh, for uh, 10 months. For 10 months, uh, we got this results because of PR, because of creating great content. But I want to ask you how to use AI today or how you use AI because I see when people use AI, uh in their own way to create generic messages and you know when i read this text i can feel it you know it's uh, i can feel this smell so uh, any tips called to do it right
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know if i'm a pro at it yet you know i don't want to I'm, I'm better at the stuff we were talking about earlier for being honest mm-hmm. uh i think i'm still learning it. it's still a nascent technology um but i'll show you a couple ways i use it i think one is staff augmentation right as a digital marketing agency um capacity and expanding billable utilization is your greatest driver of gross margin which ends up being your greatest driver of ebitda um so you if you can take tasks that humans shouldn't be doing because it doesn't create incremental strategic value for the customer or show up on their profit and loss statement then you should leverage ai Uh, i think for example a good example that would be um like a lot of what we do with uh image-based advertising. So like when we use imagery, the key to image-based advertising isn't having the prettiest images. It's testing the most creative. So AI is really, really powerful in creating lots of ad creative variations. Like a perfect example of something that used to be very unprofitable about running an agency was you would build an ad campaign and it had all these display ads or sponsored content ads or kind of creative in the advertising imagery. And you have to resize it to every device. You can use AI to resize imagery, and not a 90000 dollars designer. That's efficient and effective, right? You still because you still seed the AI; it still has the designer's work and then resize. So things that are like that, or it's very administrative. I leverage AI. Another area is like video content, right? So mm-hmm. consumers are can like want to consume video content more than written content today. That's just how they're naturally learning new things. Like, I'm always on YouTube learning something new. I, I don't read a lot of blog posts, frankly, For being honest. I, I used to. Now, for whatever reason, I consume the content in feed where the video is actually playing on Instagram or on Facebook or on LinkedIn. And I just sit there and watch the video. I don't click. I don't do anything. I just watch the video. That's one way. Now, for the, us as like SEOs and marketers, a lot of times is we'll want to be able to rank that content. So what i'll do is i'll transcribe the video and then i'll use ai to rewrite the transcription so ai is not creating the content i created the content i transcribed it and then i rewrite it with ai which then allows me to rank and still have that natural voice because it was my words it's just video content transcribes still needs an editor and so i use ai to like edit and rewrite that into certain reading levels and types does that make sense
1: yeah of course of course love it um i remember when i spoke with Ferry kazonia uh how he uh learns pr when before i started my pr uh and he told me youtube youtube is the best place uh so for you as well uh i personally i love reading uh, marketing books i love read books uh so much and um, I like YouTube, but uh, prefer blog posts. I think it doesn't matter what kind of format you like. It's better to uh, love what you do. So if you love uh, learning, um, you can learn from podcasts, you can learn from courses, you can learn from YouTube. It doesn't matter, just just do it, <laughs> just learn. And uh, uh, you remind me one story interesting about AI video content. Um, I cooperate with one uh, offer uh basically he writes for uh, Bloomberg Forbes big of size he's from Pakistan but anyway uh value is great uh he uh, pays attention to Amer- American market and uh, what I found um I asked him to film video content for YouTube channel uh, and uh, when he sent me first draft uh, with his terrible pronunciation uh, even worse than mine, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I told him, you know, if you, I'm not sure if we can get results with this video. You need to change something to improve your pronunciation. I don't know how to do it. Just do it. And then he sent a clear female voice. A clear female voice. I I, I, I asked, what's going know? It's not you. It's not you. And he replies, no, no, it's me. But it, it's AI. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's funny,
0: but hey, like there's ways to get around these things and I help fully, you know, be more articulate in what we're trying to communicate. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, Garrett, I want to ask about retention. You mentioned about generation, I think it's important, but according to data, uh, keeping customers longer costs five times less than finding new customers. So, can you tell, uh, if you, uh, from your experience, uh, with these big companies, how to retain longer, how to provide this customer satisfaction, because even today I often get terrible experience when I'm trying to reach out uh, customer support, uh, when products are great, but uh, sometimes when I need to fix a simple problem, n- not a big deal, it's tough to get this support. So, any tips about retention? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Retention
0: is tough because it's something, you know, you need to invest in and something that everyone knows is important, but it's also something where just because you invest more in it doesn't mean you improve it. And if you distract from investing in new clients, you can actually not grow more. In other words, it's sometimes hard to control retention. Sometimes parts of retention and churn are out of control. And so if you try to play God. And you overinvest in fixing it and underinvest in new business, you also experience diminishing growth. So there's this healthy balance. Now, retention is obviously critically important. I would say the first part of retention is actually acquisition. And what I mean by that is you need to make sure you acquire customers with pricing and terms that are retainable. Because sometimes mm-hmm. what we don't realize is we don't have a retention problem, we have a proper acquisition of the right clientele problem. In other words, okay, someone didn't find value in your product. Were they someone who could have found value in your product? And I know it sounds silly, but I think that that's a huge driver is a lot of times teams don't have, because they aren't using like our approach, which is manually verified accounts. They're only getting whoever they can not whoever they want and so they don't retain these customers because these customers should have never bought their product and i think that that's the starting point of retention is making sure that the customers you are acquiring are ones that you can retain renew and grow because they're a good fit for your value prop your pricing your terms and how you do business first and foremost secondarily You have to fund retention. Like I said before, you can't overfund retention and then underfund new business, but you do have to make sure you have proper amount of money going to it. So what I do is I take a profit and loss statement and I turn my business into functions. What I mean by that is like the recruiting function, the uh, customer success function, the marketing, sales, and advertising function the HR function, the operational function, the engineering function. And I essentially say, what percent of our revenue are we investing into these functions of the business? And what I've universally found is the functions of the business that are underperforming are always underfunded. And I think that's where you want to start, is making sure as the leader of the organization, you're blameless in your capital allocation, And that the values you communicate to the marketplace and to your employees of what your business stands for are accurately reflected in your capital allocation. In other words, a lot of people say, we care about our customers. We want to be the best at customer service, yet they don't invest in the customer service. See, that's when you become a bad leader because your values and your messaging is not reflected in your financial decision making. And so making sure that those things are aligned is usually very important. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah, of course. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Valuable. Uh, Almost all marketing guides, books, uh, tell you need to learn customers to understand customers. But I usually start from another point. I usually start from learning products. Uh, And for example, once I got good money for my consultancy service, uh, to, uh, to find the right way how to uh, market uh, online games. So I started to play these games. I spent like three days to play these games when my son phoned me and told- Told me what's going on you told me it's important to read books why you play games (laughs) and i replied you know i i I got 16k you know to find the right way how to market these games and uh, yeah he he replied what's going on you have no experience and then someone paid you 16k but nobody pays me i usually pay for these games (laughs) you know and uh, i I love this experience to learn products Uh, for example when uh, i started to promote uh, trading tools I started to trade. Uh, uh, In the first day, I remember when I I got plus 5K. In the second, I lost 16K. And good experience to understand both sides. (laughs) Traders, you know, who can lose, who can win. But uh, I think it's part of the process to understand the product. Can you tell how you learn products? uh, How long you spend time? I mean, like, how much you spend time uh, to learn products? And how it's important to know the product, I mean, like, to use uh, personally, uh, before marketing,
0: yeah, I mean, it's super important. I think, you know, in 2023, I spent a lot of time with our consulting team. Um, I went through every single customer of Directive with the team on the account and, you know, worked with them. And, you know, what's the strategy of things. What I found was a lot of consultants hadn't taken the time to honor the process of how strong marketing campaigns and results come about and that's through a deep understanding of not only the customer but the customer's product and not only the customer's product but also the customer's buyer audience and user a simple question that you can ask to tell is you just ask somebody why does someone buy this product compared to this other one
1: mm-hmm
0: like their top competitor, you know, I ask, okay, who's their top competitor? This person. But first off, they don't know that question. You've got a problem, right? So then I figure, okay, Mm -hmm. who's in this kind of competitor set of options that a user buyer has to decide. And yes, quite simply, what makes our product different? And why should someone buy it over that one? That's where you start. And the way you figure that out, a lot of times way we figure out directive is we'll get asked for um, sales recordings or we'll hop on, like, we'll ask them to record their next five demos using Gong or something as a client of Directive, but like, so let's see the recording, right? Or uh, we'll interview the sales team. You know, what, what feature do you find that, you know, when, we call it the magic moment, right? So when you're doing a demo, someone's getting to see your software for the first time. When do they go like, oh crap, I get it. Like they finally are like, oh, I need this. You know, like what's that moment? So we we'll do sales interviews. We work with the product team a lot. We'll do a lot of interviews with the product marketing team. Uh, we do interviews with the customer success team. Um, and then we do interviews with their customers. You know, who, who'd you look at? Why'd you buy it? And I think if you just, like, honest to God, same thing with everything. Good marketing is slow, difficult, thorough, yeah, and takes time. But if you do it right and you get the right information, you do it properly, like you – actually honor the process of learning something, then yeah. you find an angle and an edge and say, we're going to promote this feature or this part of the product or this outcome and really grow the business. So I talk to customer success, talk to sales, talk to product, talk to finance, talk to their marketing team, talk to their customers, and eventually you kind of figure it out
1: nice yeah. yeah even if you do it wrong you can learn <laughs> how to change your approaches so <laughs> you can do it right you can do it wrong but uh, both ways are, are good you know just learn it uh <laughs> Garrett, i i have uh a lot of questions but uh i think i tell anyone who want to learn more from Garrett just uh follow on social media because i follow for me it's important to get more value but um Uh, I still have a few questions that I want to ask about your personal experience. Uh, uh, I think it's important to understand the basic. We spoke a little bit about that. But anyway, I want to ask if you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. It's your first day in customer generation process. Uh, You have no experience, but you want to understand the basic. What will you do if you started from scratch?
0: I would probably buy this DIY package we're about to launch. So at Directive, we're launching like a cheap package that gives like a marketer all the assets and the process we use with video walkthroughs to explain it. So I'd probably honestly buy something like that. I'm a big fan of like trying to learn things like fishing. I like to fish. I want to get better at fishing. I don't just like go out on the ocean a bunch and like try I go find on Instagram who the best captains are and not just the best captains in general, but the best fishing captains for specific species. And then I pay them. It's not like rocket science. I pay them. I go on their boat and I see how they do it. Right. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. This is their process. This is when they leave. This is how they think about tides. This is how they, the baits they use. This is how fast their boat is going. This is where they stop. This is why they stop where they stop. And I ask lots of questions. And essentially what I do is I watch every YouTube video humanly possible if I want to learn something. I find the best people at it and I pay them for their expertise. And I get obsessive and very close to what I want to get good at. And next thing you know, I'm good at it. Because I put in the time, I ask questions, and I surround myself with expertise. And if you do that, you can learn
1: anything, really. I think that's a good approach. Yeah, nice, nice. And my final question about uh, your daily routine. I get this question a lot, how to schedule stuff, how to uh, handle all events that you have. Uh, and uh, most of my uh, customers are super busy. And uh, if you optimize the process and choose priorities, you can go ahead. So. Let us know about your daily routine and why you have these two cars on your background because I see on the picture and see half of car. Uh, And uh, it's classical model. So why you have these cars and about your daily routine?
0: Yeah, no, the cars, I mean, I like Daniel Arstrom, He's an artist. So it's just, uh, and I like Porsche. So it's just an artist I like. Like it's like an ad. So he took, I like advertising and marketing, obviously. So he Mm -hmm. just like redid A bunch of famous ad campaigns in his own style, which is kind of cool. And then, routine wise, man, I've been doing the same thing forever. So I just I start work at eight. Like my first meetings at eight, I'm usually in the office, you know, earlier. Mm -hmm. But my first like meeting is at eight. Um, I have lunch from eleven to twelve thirty. I've been doing that for ten years, and then I do meetings again until probably like four o'clock. Usually my last meeting. And then I work usually at night after I put the kids down um, go all through that. But I mean, from a productivity standpoint, I mean, just like do less, man. I mean, like, don't, you just got to focus on what you're good at and where you get the most value. Like most, like if you ask yourself, like, if is what I'm doing right now going to show up on a and doesn't matter on the profit, like let like your profit and loss statement, Be the measuring of if something's working or not or if it's a good use of your time. And if something doesn't show up there, and it can show up in a lot of ways. It can show up because you've spent extra hours with a key executive, which then drove up retention, which then kept continuity. There's a lot of ways to evaluate it. But I think you got to figure out what you enjoy, what you get passion from, what you get energy from. And as long as you're getting energy from things, do those things. And when you're not getting energy for things, hire people for it. And if you keep it that simple and just focus on your own energy, because as the leader, energy is everything. When your energy goes down, your business goes down. When your energy goes up, your business goes up. So you have to stay focused on what's giving you energy and what you enjoy and then hire people for everything else. Yeah. Don't don't stop doing the thing that gives you energy. I think what happens is a lot of people get success and they try to like give everything to everyone else. It doesn't work like that. I love when my competitors do that. Um, but from a personal standpoint, I found like I enjoy sales. So I still hop on all sales calls.
1: Nice. Yeah. But, uh, know, I, I couldn't agree though. more. Yeah. Energy beats skills. You know, if you have energy, you can overwork others. If you have passion, then you enjoy the process. I come back on Sunday evening, uh, on Saturday night. I don't care. I love it. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> hobby. If you love it then uh, you can get skills too. You can acquire the skills as I did with PR. uh, And um, it's the same with anything. Just have this energy and love what you do. Garrett, it's a big pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for getting back to my podcast, for sharing all these valuable bombs. You lead me to an emergency room. I need to spend time to think how to (laughs) change some approaches. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you.
0: Yeah, just on social. Uh, If you want coaching, check out GarrettMergue.com. If you're a software company and you want help growing your business, check out
1: DirectiveConsultant.com. So nice, guys, yeah. yes. you, you can find uh, links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again. Love it. So valuable. I recommend to anyone to follow Garrett. I follow because I need more value. I need to update skills that I have. So I recommend to anyone to do it as well. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for tuning in to Unmiss. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform
0: and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.